Hi there, and welcome to this episode of A Couple Takes on MS. Hi, I'm Dan Digman. And hi, it's me, Jennifer Digman. And we're A Couple Takes on MS. I'm walking. I'm rolling. But together, we're moving forward. Today, this is um, such an honor. We we feel Jennifer had said she felt like we, we, we met unicorns because we have the great pleasure of introducing and having Sarah Kerwin and Carl Carl DeRiso joining us on our podcast today. And Sarah and Carl both have multiple sclerosis and they've been married for several years and they also met at an MS event. And so we are so beyond thrilled to welcome you, Sarah and Carl, to our show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Yes, we're excited to be here. Absolutely honored to be here. Such a thrill. I'm really excited that after so many years of first <laughs> meeting one another that we're here and we're doing this podcast together. And, you know, now having Carl in my life too, for us to even bond the four of us even more. So I'm really excited to be here. We both are. Yay. And Go ahead. I was just going to say that we met a number of years ago, but then we survived the pandemic. So I think that that makes it feel <laughs> maybe add an extra 10 years for that, you know, <laughs> two year period. And so, yes. And it's interesting. We wanted to just briefly, if you don't mind giving us the boilerplate uh, when you were diagnosed story, uh, quickly, I I realize we want to move forward, but it's always good just to get that background. So if you could tell yeah. us that. Absolutely. I appreciate that. So I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in January of 2011. Just to add on to that really quickly before Carl uh, talks about his diagnosis, I went undiagnosed and misdiagnosed with a very rare inner ear disease, vestibular disease for almost 10 years as well. So it's been an interesting, uh, with the MS um, symptoms and the SSCD symptoms, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah, and I was originally diagnosed in 1996 and went probably, gosh, 10 plus years without treatment or anything, kind of in denial, and then kind of had a relapse, a significant relapse um, uh, in 2006 and uh, had been on, have been on medication since. Okay. And you were diagnosed, um, Carl, kind of like Dan and I was when we were diagnosed before the advent of the newer medications that are, that are on the market now. So... We're like old school MS, you know, we, we, we remember the ABC <laughs> You drugs. are the OG. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And the beta serum. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, but you're both treating your disease and would you say you're sta pretty stable, as stable as you can be with MS right now? Yeah, I'll speak first. I, I would say that, yes, I am. Um, I, I've been on the same medication for, gosh, probably close to 10 years now, and it's an oral medication. Um, it's not longer, and it's worked very well. Of course, when I originally went on the medication, you go through the period where you uh, get tested, you know, MRIs every six months, and those eventually turned into once a year, and that's kind of where I've been the last five years. So I'm, knock on wood, feel very lucky, feel fairly stable, 
my symptoms uh, in the past five years have been pretty stable. Now that we're in Arizona and the heat will be a concern of mine, we'll, we'll see how that figures into mm-hmm. the next uh, six to nine months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yes. For me, I, I don't know if I would call mine stable necessarily. I feel like there's always something. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Right. So, you know, I was on Copaxone for a very long time. So I was doing self injections. I mean, I've done like, I can't even remember the number I should tell you after the show, but a very high number of injections. And I I really got to a point where I had injection fatigue. After a while, it's difficult to just continue to give yourself a shot every other day. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I actually am not currently on medication. I just had an MRI and I have no new lesions and I'm hypertensive. And so they're waiting until I'm also on fatigue medication, which kind of impacts the hypertension. And so I'm waiting to get a new neurologist here in Arizona and hopefully then we can get me back on uh, an oral medication and go from there. Okay. Nice. Yes, it's important for me to get back on medication. Yeah, I'm sure. And now with so many different medications on the market, uh, I hope you can find an MS specialist or a good MS neurologist to treat your disease. Both of you, I don't, you know, Dan and I were very lucky that we have the same neurologist and potentially it sounds like Sarah, you and Carl Or Carl, do you have someone that you're seeing right now? Well, when we were in California, we did establish the same neurologist and had a great experience down there. So that was good. Um, It it had taken us a little while, you know, um, not sure everybody knows, but, you know, we traveled to Colorado for a short time and then back to California and now we're here. So we've kind of juggled a little bit and when Sarah first moved out of the LA area, all of hers had been established for years. And so it's, it's, as everybody knows, it's difficult to find uh, the right medical care for yourself. Yes. <laughs> so that's the, so we were fortunate enough that we had the same one in California and I'm sure we'll more than likely establish the same one here. Okay. But can I add a caveat to that? I don't know about you, honey, but I have never had an MS specialist. I've only ever gone to a neurologist, which I'm hopeful that in this area, because Phoenix has really great, they have um, a neurology clinic here and they have a Mayo Clinic. And so I'm really hoping that we can actually establish with a specialist, because I do think that having an MS specialist, especially as our diseases change and progress is so important because the neurologist doesn't have that specific information all the time. No. And I'm with you, Sarah, Dan and I, we, we see an MS specialist here in Michigan at the university of Michigan. Um, the neurology, uh, she is an MS specialist. Their clinic is, focused on multiple sclerosis and that's really nice that they know the latest and greatest and the most up-to-date information so I hope that you both can find something like that thank you thank you yeah 
so then we, we, we set the stage then as far as like when you were diagnosed and, um, and everything and living with the disease now as individuals, but, but you're here because you aren't like other a MS people with MS and you're not like other married couples. You are a married couple who both are living with multiple sclerosis. And so, um, that's uh, Jennifer and I, we, we, we understand, we get it. So then it's, it's so then that it, it is a question then, how did this all start? Because I know it's not like we haven't met other couples who both have MS, but a lot of times there are people who maybe one person was diagnosed, had it first and the other, um, partner was diagnosed later. But I mean, you went into this knowing you both had MS. So how did, how did this happen that you both just California, two people with MS and boom, here you are in 2024. How'd you, how'd you guys meet and how did this all come about? I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you handle that. Honey. Yeah. Care, careful, because, Carl. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. Red lightly. Yeah. I was going to say, you're, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just thinking she sets that up. It's kind of like saying, how long have you been married? Say, well, you tell them, Carl, how long have you been married? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Well, so so she said, I, I got your back, though. So <laughs> so I'm here for you. So you, you take you take the lead, Carl. How did this happen? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think that's, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that's great that uh, she's allowing me to do that. Hopefully <laughs> I won't go down too many tangents, but uh, I like details, so. Anyway, so I'll try and make a long story shorter. Um, I was uh, living in a town that did not have a MS uh, self-help group. And so I traveled. My job allowed me the flexibility to travel, you know, once uh, once a month to a closer town or another town to do this, to, to be, be involved. So I kind of co-chaired a self, self-help group with another gentleman. And during that time... Um, we had a guest speaker from the MS Society, which was Sarah, because at the time she was employed by the MS Society of Los Angeles. So she came up for a kind of sit into our meeting, see what we were about. And when she walked in the room, I, I, I was just taken back. And so I chased her for three months. She kept <laughs> saying, no, no, no. And finally, one day she agreed to a date. And uh, the rest, they say, is history. Uh, right? Pretty good? Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, okay. And so, so when did this, when, when did this happen again? What year? This would have been, this would have been May of 2016. Oh, wow. And then you dated for a few years and you married in 2020? Yes. Yes, we did. It was, uh, it was, it was fantastic. You know, it was actually, we, we were going to get married the year before and it just came too quickly because I proposed, uh, you know, and it just came very quickly. And then we said, no, let's wait. And then of course the pandemic happened. So we shifted gears and we actually, did it video, uh, through video, like, you know, um, a video company that, that streamed it for us and our, and our family, um, to watch it. And, uh, you know, we had just a few people there at the actual ceremony and, uh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Yeah. That sounds very special and a nice way to remember uh, or just to overcome that those times of isolation and pandemic just to, reframe that time because everything I, I, Dan and I feel like 
so many things we it's almost like pre-pandemic and just that that was a huge milestone for us so yeah I agree with that I definitely agree with that so so that well then I'm just wondering as far as like um you know so I guess okay Sarah how did Carl do in telling the story but it's like so you then Sarah were there as a guest speaker and so three months and you finally said yes I mean for you, Car- well, and it's like for, for both of you, I mean, Sarah, that you're just like, you know, were you ready to date or what? And and I guess it is just a question at what point, Carl, did you decide, yes, I'm going to ask her out on a date? And then Sarah, you're just like, yes, I'm going to go out with him. And did how much did MS play into that as to as far as whether you were sure or unsure? Mm. That's an that's an interesting and a really good question. You know, I, I think one time, and excuse me, and then you can go ahead, honey. Yeah. I was just going to say, at, at one point, I did question, did I, do I want to be with someone else who has MS? Um, because they're, everybody experiences MS in such a different way. And... I was really fearful because I have lost a lot of relationships due to my MS Mm -hmm. and, you know, misunderstandings of that, or, you know, a lot, a lot of things that go into relationships where if you can't, if you can't go out one night and you have to change plans or this and that. So I had a fear of even, I think, committing to a plan because I didn't know Uh, how I was going to feel. I also at that point was just very sick and I was not doing well. And I was really isolated and really depressed. And I think that played a lot into not wanting to go on any dates or not wanting to date anyone. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when, when we did first meet, um, we were three hours apart um, for a long time. So you know, uh, based on the industry that I'm in, I kind of had a opportunity to reach out and just have some discussion about, um, you know, what she was doing. And so we just ended up having some conversations and I, I kept trying to say, well, you know, I, I'd be more than happy to drive down there. And, <laughs> you know, eventually she, she said, all right, I'll, I'll give, I'll give them an opportunity. But, you know, for me, it, it's, Knowing that she also had MS is, is I don't want to say somewhat of a relief, but as an individual that has MS, when you're out there dating and in that environment, you don't really know when to disclose or, right. or how sometimes to even disclose, you know, and especially if, if, if you're in that scene and, and, and you start a relationship, man, that just comes to a shock with some people and you just don't know how they're going to respond. And so there was a, a fair amount of comfort with me knowing that, that regardless, she understands the position that I'm in. Yes. And I, Dan and I were a little older when we met and when we married, but there was still that little bit of hesitation on both of our families' minds. Do, Um, you know, is this the, the smartest relationship? They knew we were in love and they absolutely supported it. But they had a moment of hesitation. Jennifer, will you be able to support Dan always? And Dan, we always be able to help Jennifer. So did you, did any family give you any 
any sort of questioning or anyone in your life kind of say, maybe you should think about not being with the other? That's interesting. Um, yeah, let me let me answer that from my perspective only because so my sister has MS. She was diagnosed two years prior to me. Um, she uh, her symptoms are pretty severe. Okay. Um, and she's, she's been seen at the Mayo Clinic since she was diagnosed in 94, uh, and, and she's doing well, but so for my family, which is fairly small at this point, um, you know, they, a couldn't believe that I, I found, uh, somebody that I was in love with that also, uh, had the same, same situation. So they were super supportive just because the family was to begin with. Um, and, uh, you know, from, from Sarah's side, they were always open and supportive to me because they knew that I understood exactly what she was going through, even though she, they may not have, because not only was I experiencing it, but I also had other family members that were experiencing it. Mm -hmm. So, so I've been around her for a while and it was a comfort zone for me, not something that I was intimidated by. And I think that was good and supportive. I think also, you know, for my family, um, my mother and father have seen a few of their friends, female friends throughout the years with MS who were diagnosed young and there were no medications available. And it was a kind of like, well, uh, okay, we're going to give you this chair and you're going to go home and that's kind of it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's kind of the typical story that we tell from those years. And so for my parents, I think that there was also a, a lot, a lack of understanding of what this was going to look like. Um, for me and the progression, and there was a lot of fear for them. But overall, I feel they were so thrilled that I found love. Yeah. And whatever form that took, and whatever health that took, they, because I was 38 when, mm -hmm. when we met. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> I think for a while they were like, oh my gosh, she's just going to die alone. She's yes. 38. <laughs> it's about time, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and also in that, um, you know, Carl and I also had to have a conversation, which was a little more difficult to explain to people for me about children. You know, there there's... Um, a lot of pressure put on women to reproduce. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a lot of pressure from society saying, well, as a disabled woman, you know, you don't have the quality of life to, to reproduce. And so I feel like, you know, I made the decision and Carl and I talked about even when we first met, you know, would we want to adopt? And Carl has two older children, my bonus kids. I love them. And they're in their 20s, mid-20s. But we were both like, no, there's there's no, I would never have the energy to take care of a child. Like I'm my health is my child. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was something else we we really had to talk about. So it it changes. It's changed over the years. And as our health has both progressed. It just, it always changes. And so the great part about having someone now that I realize this about having someone who also understands MS and, and lives with MS in a different way and experiences in a, in a different way, there's still that deeper empathy and understanding 
and it, it's just different. It's it's a different sort of support system, I feel. And we're blessed to have that support system and it's unfortunate, but it's fortunate that it takes a chronic illness like multiple sclerosis to put your perspectives or your priorities straight mm-hmm. where you get to the, the heart of, I need to take care of myself and I know that I need to take care of my spouse and you can have those conversations and make those decisions and not not look back and regret. It's it's you full steam ahead, take care of yourself and your your spouse's health. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, very true. So now now we're looking at um so twenty twenty you get married and you have the conversations and no children and um moving forward. And now that we're here in 2024, um, we're looking at um, going through, because, yeah, it was always easier for us. Yeah, I didn't have to, you know, we met at an MS event. So, you know, surprise, mm-hmm. we both we both had MS. So you, you knew that. And, and but then it's, you know, for all of that, that's easier or quote unquote easier. And we didn't have to have those difficult conversations. Married, you know, 2020, get married. Now we're here has there been any surprises or anything where you just like, well, I wasn't expecting this or these are challenges or was it something where this is just something we know we'll get through it together? I mean, because obviously life in general, I mean, I always say, you know, whether or not you have MS, there's going to be challenges. So it's just like anytime there's an MS challenge comes up or have you just weathered the storm and moved on and forgot about it? Hmm. No, I, 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 you just move forward. I I don't think that there's anything that has caught me by surprise. And again, you know, her symptoms are more severe, more consistently um, appearing than mine are. So um, I, I wouldn't say that anything that's involved in the MS has surprised me. You know, we've been through a lot just in the last 12 months and um, super supportive. And, you know, some, some days it's frustrating, but it's, it's, it's all about understanding that, hey, it's not always going to be the best day. And a lot of times, the, you know, I'm grateful for Sarah because she's actually opened my eyes up to some things, fatigue or symptoms that, that I never would have thought of could have been MS related. And so because of that, then I can change the way I respond to those. And that's been helpful. So nothing's really been surprising. It's just been supportive. It is what it is. And you just, you just deal with it and move, move forward. You know, mm-hmm. today's not, uh, not been the best day for Sarah. She hasn't felt a hundred percent, um, super, super deep migraine and, uh, and nausea and stuff, but but here we are, and and she's getting through it, and it's going to be good. So tomorrow will be a new day. A- attitude is everything, right? You just have to really push through. And where, I mean, you two have each other for support, but where else do you turn to to support you um, as individuals? Or is there anything that you do? to keep you, to keep you moving forward, any sort of support? I love therapy. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, I'm a big proponent of therapy. I feel like, uh, especially just talk therapy for me, but mm. it's kind of like uh, taking your car to get a tune up, right? It's like mm. I'm taking my brain to get a tune up. Um, and I also really appreciate self-help groups and, you know, okay. Carl and I had an, an opportunity to co-facilitate. I've been facilitating self-help groups for the past 10 years. Uh, Carl and I had an opportunity in Santa Maria where we lived in California to co-facilitate, um, a self-help group there. And that was really wonderful. Carl had never had the opportunity to do that. And so I think that it was eye-opening and also you know it's it's like uh you want you want everybody to come and get this support but not everybody's ready and so um that was something that i think carl had to kind of learn like not everybody's coming to your party tonight <laughs> i eat a self-help group you know right <laughs> and that's okay because everybody has to go through their own process of, of when they're ready to to reach out for that external support I think that, well, I feel in my opinion that external help outside of just ourselves is very important. Um, I, I just feel like there's, I have this wonderful community of support of people with disabilities. Um, like, even though we haven't seen one another for many years, if I really needed anything, I know that I could call either one of you and say, Hey, what's going on with this? Or could you help me with that? Or can you help answer this? And that's, that's where you have this amazing community of support mm -hmm. that you get. And what I tell people is that I don't think I'm grateful for MS, but I am grateful for the experiences and the people the that MS has brought to me. And, yeah. and I'm, I have so much gratitude for my life because my priorities, like you said earlier, Jennifer, my priorities and Carl's priorities are very different than other people's. Amen. And and it is, <laughs> you know, I often joke it's a really crappy disease filled with the best people. So if you have, <laughs> if you have to right? have a crappy disease to get to meet these incredible people and have these experiences, it's kind of mm -hmm. a is in a in a warped way it seems to be a a fair trade or a good not a good trade but yeah i, I think fair or, um yeah. yeah yeah i would say i mean it's a, it totally changes your views on life your mm -hmm. perspectives on things your attitude toward things it, it's it changes you yes and that's why it's so good that we, the four of us, we have spouses who understand. And it's important just that we have that. But beyond, because we all are beyond, or we're all more than multiple sclerosis. So you're, you're fun people, obviously. What do, <laughs> what do you do? I mean, how do you get away from the disease? Or how do you, how do you what what keeps you moving forward uh you know for me i am um and it could be because of my age now i'm 54 now yeah. um yeah i yeah i know but but maybe in my head i'm thinking that you know I, the next 10 12 years of working and then retirement but 
for me, I enjoy, I, I truly enjoy just down relaxation time. I mean, something as simple as sitting out back, you know, uh, listening to the, to the prop plane go by, you know, and the bird chirping is, mm-hmm. is, is really a, a very peaceful place for me. And I, I enjoy that. I, you know, a lot of people like the activity and the hustle and bustle. And I think a lot of what came out of the, <clears throat> it came out of the pandemic for me was I, I don't like those crowds. I don't like people anymore. I don't, you know, I, I, I just, it's not that I don't like people, but I, but I, but I, I treasure, I treasure the, the time where it's quiet mm-hmm. and you can just it, absorb your surroundings in a positive way. Yeah. And so, you know, being with Sarah, there's oftentimes that, uh, that we do that. We just, we just have a chance to just kind of relax and listen to light music and enjoy our time outside. And it's just, that helps me kind of recenter. I think that changes too. You know, when I was younger, I loved to have acquaintances. I'd love to go out. And if so-and-so invited me out, I was like, yeah, let's go to dinner or let's go to a hike or let's go do this or whatever. And, you know, there is, there's less like control over your timing. And so I noticed often that you know, it was really difficult to have acquaintances. And so after a while, you end up where you have this really quality uh, group of people and community of support. And and that's where you go to, but you don't have, you're not, you're not like stretched thin by going here and going there. It's really more about the downtime with one another and, Mm -hmm. and what we're doing and recognizing where our energy is at you know even today for valentine's day i said you know maybe we could go out for lunch later and and that would probably be it because i really am am not 100 and and it's interesting because we moved i mean you would think for like the the past six to nine months we six months for sure we've been in the process of moving and so i've been going 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 and i haven't crashed yet and so I always go, go, go crash. (laughs) And so I, I hadn't crashed yet until today. And of course today I, you know, I, I crashed a little bit. So it's like waking up and saying to Carl, it's not going to be a good day. You know, I, I looked when I move my eyes peripherally in the morning before I even open my eyes, I know how my day is going to be. Um, and so there's an interesting comfort with that because you kind of know, but also it's like, why? <laughs> yeah. Why do I have to look peripherally before I open my eyes to know how I'm going to feel? Um, so, but, you know, even today we were thinking, gosh, it's been a while, but I guess you're due for a crash. And and it, it's like a reset to remind me, no, slow down. Your body needs to slow down. Yep. And, and Dan and I always... Sarah, we're with you. Where when we were younger, we would go, 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 and we, it was, mm-hmm. it was much more about the quantity of things you did, and now mm-hmm. it's about quality. Instead yeah, of so going a number of places, and Carl, I think that sitting out in the backyard sounds lovely, mm-hmm. and I hope that the Arizona heat doesn't zap too much of you as the weather gets warmer. This, you know, this year. But just sitting outside and listening to birds, that sounds like a wonderful place to be. 
Yes, thank you. Thank you. I, I didn't want to mention my feet will probably be dangling in the pool, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to rub it in. In Michigan when yeah. they're forecasting yeah, snow make... tomorrow. Whoa. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sorry, Sarah, you were saying. Oh, I can't remember. It's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> So what happens, I mean, Carl, I, what then, you, Carl, you talk about working, what you do. And I mean, so then what is it you do, Sarah? What is it you do? And how has it been, has, has your work life changed since you got married and are now married to a person living with MS? Uh, well, for me, that hasn't. Um, so I've been in the uh, auto industry since uh, 99 and uh, in sales. And uh, so for me, that hasn't changed. Um, uh, what else? Yeah. Well, let me put the caveat on that. I, I think that going back to what you said earlier, funny, you were saying how you notice more things having been with me, you notice your body a little bit more. So I, mm -hmm. and, and, and for me, just to put a caveat on that, I actually blame less on MS than I used to. So I think we've balanced each other out in that way. True. But I do think that you notice more when you you take time outs a little bit more or you check yourself with your energy a little mm -hmm. bit more. But it's a work. I mean, it's a work in progress. Yeah. And it's constantly changing, you know, not necessarily drastically, but, you know, um, and that's one of the reasons I'll be interested to see as it starts to get hotter. And I'm, you know, I'm fortunate enough. I'm in a management position, so I'm not necessarily out on the lot every day. But mm -hmm. You know, I'm not looking forward to 115 degrees here and, and, and trying to help clients get in and out of vehicles. So um, it, so for me, it, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But. but Carl is also like he is applying for an MS cooling program where he could get a cooling vest that he could wear to work or. Uh, I don't know what other things that they have, but I, I know that that has neck scarves. I think that would be helpful mm, as well. But well, for I, me, I, I work from home, so it's nice. different. Sorry, go ahead, Dan. Oh no, I was uh, I was going to make, I was going to make some comment about you know being in the Midwest, and we'll say, oh well, Arizona, don't worry, it's a dry heat. <laughs> so no, <laughs> that's right. That that's, that's what that's right. what that's that that's their that's their inspiration. But no, I think that's great. Well, and Sarah, to that to your point, then too. I mean, that, that's been the biggest blessing for Jennifer and me is that, you know, I found a job where I do work remotely and I, it's like we were, I was remote before it was cool, you know, before, um, yeah. long, long, you know, long, but you know, long before the pandemic, I mean, my, my company's nationwide and so we work remote. So it's nice to be able to be here to help Jennifer with her caregiver when, when they need me. But then, so, yeah. so Carl, you're there, Sarah, you work from home. So then that makes it, makes it a little easier then. Well, and like today, for instance, I'm grateful that I'm off today and today just happens to be the day that she doesn't feel well because yeah. I'm here to support her. I can help her. I can make it easy to get through the day. She didn't have to deal with the, you know, dogs barking or doorbells ringing or whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, so I'm grateful for that. But yeah, unfortunately, I leave and, you know, my commute's fairly long. And so I'm gone for, for several hours throughout the day. And that that's what makes our time off together even more valuable you know because that gives us an opportunity to kind of reset mm -hmm. and you have to get, take advantage of those moments when you can be together as as 
much as possible. And you mentioned dogs, and Dan knows Dan's a big Bruce Springsteen fan. So if you had mentioned Springsteen, we would talk about it. But you mentioned dogs, and, and I'm a Jennifer huge. Loves dogs. <laughs> I'm an animal lover. So Ooh. what kind of dogs do you have? Oh my gosh, we have the cutest three rescue dogs. Ah, two terrier mixes, and one um, little pity, and she's mixed with pug and dachshund and chihuahua. Oh Aw, <laughs> super cute. They're super cute, and probably high energy, and they. They keep you going and they they give you something to to spend your energy on, but they're a blessing. That's wonderful. That was just what I was going to say. You know, when I rescued Stella, it was a month before I met Carl in 2016, and I had been living in toxic mold for two years. Wow. Um, and no one was aware, but it ended up that nine condo units were affected in this um, complex. But anyway, when I was really struggling, my care team said, you have to have somebody or something else to take care of besides yourself. Something that forces you to get up, forces you to get out of the house. Um, and so I had rescued Stella, the little pity girl, uh, Stella Kay. I had rescued her to help me do that really. And mm. I trained her as a service animal and, and I took her everywhere with me, um, everywhere. She was mobility trained. So she would help me from veering off the sidewalk and, and into the road. When I was walking, she would walk on my left side. Um, so, so now that they're kind of all blended together, you know, her role has changed a little bit into more, emotional kind of support and they're all a little bit older but I can't imagine not having dogs I just can't uh -huh. and, and how much just support they give you when you are not feeling well mm. and how much fun when you are feeling well but how much support when, <laughs> when you're not feeling well you know it, it just changes the game yeah and that's that's wonderful that you have that and I've often heard that people think or may think that they're rescuing the animals, but it's the animals that are rescuing us. So that's so nice, Absolutely. Sarah. Thank you for sharing Absolutely. that. Yeah. She rescued me. I mean, I was um, really experiencing a lot of, I had, I was still about six years into being undiagnosed with my inner ear vestibular disease. And, sh and I was very depressed and very um, suicidal. And really, she did save me. I mean, I had something else to focus on than just myself and, and what my I was experiencing in my body. Yeah. And that's so important. So then, yeah, don't make me cry. Yeah, oh. she, she saved me. I know, I love she did. She's sweetie. But they're a little bit older. And, you know, when, when Sarah, because she works from home every day and she puts in 10, 12 hours just like the rest of us. <laughs> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, they, they can be a little distracting at times. So for her to kind of manage her day's work activities and manage, you know, uh, the house all at the same time, including the dogs, is. is is sometimes very difficult. So yeah. a lot, but I think like, aren't we all learning how to structure our time? I mean, I feel like MS gives us the structure and it says, now you operate between this, this wall on the left side and this <laughs> wall on the right side. Yeah. And, and you, you stay between these two kind of lines, you know? And, and I feel like if I go outside 
of that structure, that's when I suffer. And so right now I'm, I'm really, and I, I'm rebellious. I've always rebelled against authority. I, I do not mm-hmm. like being told what to do. I do not like authority figures. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I should say I, I push back. Okay. I question authority, right? Like positively in a good trouble way. Question very authority. constructive. Yes. 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 In a very constructive way. But now what was my point? <laughs> well, just that you have, you know, that we have MS into a certain extent that tries to put authority over us and we have to work yes. within the construct, the, the constraints of the disease. Stay in and, the lines. Mm-hmm, stay in the lines. And so that's what I'm working on. You know, Carl mentioned I've I've been working a lot of hours. And right now what I'm working on is getting my business to a point where I don't have to work that many hours, where I really have the foundation set so I can work the hours I need to. And that's, that's it. Because it is a lot. And I'm sure you both know this, working from home and being at home, it's a lot to take mm-hmm. care of the house, to take care of your dogs, to take care of one another. I feel like people don't realize the costs associated also with two people in a family having mm-hmm. multiple sclerosis, not only healthcare, but just in general. I mean, I have to buy trip insurance if I'm taking a flight. I have, you know, we have to buy extra, um, oh gosh, what, what was I trying to say? Just that there's costs associated with, yeah. you know, with just, just managing that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You know, everything. Can't wait to see what our air conditioning bill will be uh, this year. Can't yeah. keep the house cool. Right. Everything yeah. costs a little bit more financially everything. and and physically. It takes it's, more yeah. time, and I always underestimate how long it will take to get ready or to do anything. You have to factor <laughs> in a little extra time, just to depending on how the MS is treating you that day. Well, we just, we, we love like, you know, even just, even just going to church on Sunday and how much better it is in the summer when you don't have to mess with putting on a coat, you know, and, and doing all that. I mean, just how much every minute, every second matters because yeah, we're always running late because it just takes longer to get ready. Underestimate. So yeah. Well, and the reason I was, I was giggling a little bit is because Carl was shaking his head, has Excuse me. Oh my gosh. I hope uh, that comes out better. Uh, <laughs> Carl was shaking his head because I'm always, always late. And so about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I was uh, diagnosed with executive dysfunction, which is part of, it's a symptom of ADHD, but it, it, it impacts your organization and planning skills and, and cogn- you know, cognition and all of those things. And it's been really interesting for me to try to also restructure around that. And so right now I'm having to time myself. I literally have a timer on when I get ready, which it's wild. I mean, just for me to be able to get somewhere on time because mm-hmm. I take so much longer just with my energy to even get makeup on or get my hair done or whatever it may be. Yeah. Does that put a lot of pressure on you though? I mean, when you're on the timer like that, I'm I'm like, you know, I, I say I, you know, as a reporter, as a writer, you thrive on the deadline pressures, but at the same time, I don't like the pressures. And so, yeah, when we're getting ready, it's like, 
if I want to stop and I want to drink some coffee first or I want to do this, it's like, no, you got you have a job to do. You got to get ready, Dan, stop, move on, put your phone down, you know? So, but it's just like, if you've got that clock on you and then, then does that irritate MS symptoms? And it's all of a sudden now my hands are a lot more numb and now I'm doing, I'm freaking out. Yeah, it does cause me some anxiety. That's, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. Uh, yesterday I, both of my big toes and then the, the toe next to them were, were both numb. I could not feel them. And, but when I woke up, they were okay. So I sometimes wonder if my anxiety of being on a timer does contribute to that. I'm not, I think it must, I think it must, but then what else do I do? You know, I, I don't know how to regulate myself. I guess, with time. That's that balancing that all of us living with MS, it, it doesn't matter when you were diagnosed, you know, Carl, you and Dan and I are OG, like he said, and we can think we have it under, under our, we've got it under control. But then mm-hmm. Sarah, when you have something like being on timer, when you're, when you're managing things under stress, it's something else. You, you're constantly trying to balance this disease. So it's good to hear that we're not alone with that, where you're just little things. You're constantly pivoting and trying to, to manage and that you just have to keep doing it. I think that's one thing that people don't understand about MS. They think that it's just MS and it is what it is, mm-hmm. but it's not. It changes it changes from minute to minute or day to hour to hour mm-hmm. or day to day. It, I don't know. It doesn't ever show up the same. I don't, I feel anyway. Well, and then look at the four of us. All four of us have our cases are different. I would, you know, that while we have the support of the spouse with the disease, it's also the evidence of look at how the disease presents differently on every single person. And then Carl, you have a sister who is another case. So we're all, we're one in a million, but we're one in a million, you know, we're rare. So yeah. 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 Yes. Well, this has been incredibly, I just love talking to you guys. And so, I mean, we could do part two next week. (laughs) Yeah, we're ready. Let's do it. I mean, because we, we, you know, truly just scratching the surface on everything. But I mean, just in terms of being, you know, not only a person living with MS, but then a spouse with MS and that you you married, got together. I guess looking at that, look and looking at where you are now, is there anything you wish you would have known or what would you say to somebody who who is think who has ms and is thinking about getting together with another person with ms any words of advice for that um i'll speak up i i I think the the one thing that i have learned is that we have really done a good job having open communication about how how we're feeling you know and I'm off today and I wouldn't want the pressure of me having time for us to spend together to impact her decision to tell me that she's not feeling well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd rather, so the open open lines of communication is key because you understand if you just know, exactly. you know, and I think that was a significant difference mm-hmm. for us. I think just to add to that, you know, even last night, 
I was really, we have a lot to do in our, in our home after just moving and, and moving in here. We've only been in this house for two months and, and, and Carl, um, was sending me things for the house and and I want to be excited about that but I found that when he was sending me things I was really starting to get anxious because I have other priorities and I have travel coming up and this and that and so I felt myself continuing to get kind of anxious or or um yeah I guess just anxious when he would send me things and so last night I said okay I think you know, I think we really need to talk about this. And so we sat down and had a conversation about each of our priorities and could we hold off on, on these sort of things until after X amount of time because I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need to protect my energy. So it, it really is about consistent communication about what you're experiencing because Carl is thinking, and absolutely he should, that he's sending me these things and I'm as excited as he is, right? That like, we're so excited and we're getting these fans and, and whatnot and they're awesome. But for me, on the receiving end, it, it's pushing me over into a feeling of discomfort and anxiety. And so to know that and to be able to sit down and say, hey, let's just talk about this. And there's no there's no anger about it. There's no anything. It's just, hey, let's just talk about this situation that's come up mm -hmm. and, and how do we address it in a way that we're both comfortable with. I'm a big proponent of win-wins um, from the seven habits of highly successful people. Like, well, how do we come to a win-win? So he feels like he can have that excitement and then I'm participating in that excitement, but I can still feel like I have my priorities over here and I'm not getting into the anxiety zone. And that's important and that's very good. And here on Valentine's Day, it's refreshing just to hear you talk about the importance of communication and empathy and I love that win-win. The win-win and those tools that help us to make a marriage and a relationship with multiple sclerosis successful. And I think say what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Don't be, don't be afraid of, of the other person's reaction because we have, we all have different needs and that's anyone, regardless of if, if you have MS or not, I mm -hmm. mean, we as individuals have different needs. So let's find out how we do come to those situations where we both come out and we feel like we've won. And, and I think that's just where you have that, that, that shared relationship or that shared understanding with each other. It's like with Jennifer and I, it's like, I can be honest, she can be honest with me. And we don't take things personally on the receiving end because it's really we're just expressing where we're at. So then how do we talk it through and um, arrive at a mutual decision? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I, I agree with you. It's a different level of understanding and empathy. And, and yeah, my so gratitude for Carl for um, just you know, all of the support and, and love and friendship and everything. I'm, I'm so grateful to have Carl in my life. More grateful than I, I would have ever realized when we met eight years ago. Mm. That's so sweet. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. She should have said yes right away. <laughs> See, you, 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 look at all that more time you could have had together. Yeah. Right. How, how, so, so then how did this happen? I mean, just at, at what point did, did you finally say Sarah's like, okay, if I do this once, he'll leave me alone. <laughs> Oh my gosh, no, I hate to say this, but I 
I needed a new car. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that a perfect, perfect, perfect. And Jennifer wanted to go up in the alphabet. So (laughs) (laughs) I went from a U to a D. So that was, that was a good move. And you got a new car. Love it. Love it when a plan comes together. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. He was a good sport. He was a good sport. (laughs) Nice. That's good. Well, Sarah and Carl, thank you both so much for taking the time to sit down with us and just have this chat, just talking about life and your experiences and your story in terms of not only how you met, but how you've continued moving forward in spite of this disease. And for everyone listening, we will have um, links about relationships and everything in there. Um, I, I didn't ask for permission, but you you two had a really incredible video that was posted. We'll provide a link to that video on the liner notes. Absolutely. Perfect. So that, that was a great story. I think that's where it's just like, oh my gosh, we know these people. So this is so awesome. <laughs> so we will have that there. But thank you both again for sharing your story with us and our listeners. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. Again, it was truly an honor. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And I'm Jennifer Dagman, and I'm with Dan Dagman, who is walking, and I'm rolling. But together, we are moving forward. Till next time, take care. <laughs>